1: Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail.
0: Baby, it's time to ride the Funk Train. This is Funkmaster V with Wrestling with Ghosts and a Babies, you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show.
1: Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook, or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Alright, I'm not going to go ahead and talk too much, because I got life too on uh, Orion for you, and it's a long chapter. I'm probably gonna split it up, this chapter up into two episodes just because it's so long, but uh, here we go, life to Orion. After a person dies, there's nothing, at least for me. There's a big dark void where I don't exist. Let me rephrase that. I, I could exist, there might be a heaven or a hell or a Cerebus at the other side of River Styx, but I never remember what happens after my deaths. It sucks not knowing what's next, it even is a next, because my lives are coming to an end here's how it used to work if I close my eyes in a previous life I'll open them in a new one with one minor caveat all my memories are in place my father in my second life beat out any predilection to ponder why I had a Roman stable boy memories overlapping the peasant boy somewhere in medieval England memories I didn't spend much of my second life wondering why I had two sets of memories and I thought it was a story to take me away from my monstrous father He didn't just beat me when my mind wandered, he smacked me around when blight destroyed our crops, and then when the mule died on the way to the market. He did it when he was drunk, and when he was sober, he beat me when I didn't keep the stew hot enough or failed to haul two buckets of water from the stream. The whole piece of father thing was a real pity too, because my second life's childhood home was even more beautiful than the field where the Tiber and Elia rivers met. I live in a thatch-roof house at the edge of a thick forest with trees old enough for Merlin to be napping in the trunks. There was a crystal clear lake with fresh cold water and an oak tree that was a great place to hide for my father so long as I wasn't gone for too long. The countryside was majestic and stretched from horizon to horizon with raw unkempt nature. There was a cross off to the side of the house to mark where my mother and sister were buried. They didn't even make it through childbirth. Sometimes I wonder if that's why it hit me. He was stuck with a useless boy who dreamt of faraway places while his life partner rotted below the earth. One crisp morning during my teenager's year while I was gathering berries for the winter preserves, I saw the most exciting thing i had ever seen in two whole lives. Coming down the road was a grand procession of men on horseback. They were wearing shiny metal armor and flew banners of the king. Right in the center was an elaborate carriage and inside was a beautiful maiden with long golden curls framing her perfect face. I climbed a tree to get a better look at her, and right as the procession passed, I, the bow broke, and like the song, I tumbled to the ground and rolled in front of the carriage and startled the horse. I quickly righted myself and used some of my first-life knowledge to calm the beast. Before I could show off my stable-boy skills, though, the captain of the guard yanked me away from the steed and yelled, we have a highwayman milady. shall I dispose of him for attempting to rob your ladyship I didn't rob anything I croaked I was still afraid of death during those days shut up boy the captain raised his hand to smack me but the woman the carriage said wait she demanded and the captain lowered his hand a woman who is not only beautiful but could stop beatings. I was in love bring the child here the woman said Milady, I said I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. The captain shoved me towards the carriage and held his hand on his sword. It was the old try anything and I'll decapitate you threat. At the time, I was turned into a drooling pile of horse poo because I was about to encounter a real woman. Even though I already had one more life than people got, I never touched a woman or even got to be so close to one. In my first life, I died before I did anything but muck because women weren't exactly lining up to date the stable boy. In this life, I was worse off as a teenage boy living with his dad in the woods. The only women who lived close were in the village and my dad never let me leave the cart when we went to town so I had to lust after them from afar. The villagers, however, weren't exactly known for their beauty. The number of missing teeth and warts were metrics used to compare attractiveness best-looking man in town had only three warts, and only one was visible on his face. The hottest woman was missing three teeth, and only half of her remaining jumpers were stained with rot. I laid awake many nights in a tiny crawl space in the attic among the spiders. I reminisced about the glances I stole when I caught a patch of bare skin underneath the hood of a villager. It was enough to get by because I didn't know anything else. Now, a real-life noblewoman woman was an angel descended from heaven who wanted to see me. When I got closer, I realized she looked my age. I was stunned. Thankfully, she spoke before I liquefied into a pile of mango. Tell me, boy, she said. What were you doing in that tree? I did cow, birds, and stuff, was the extent of my vocabulary. You're not perhaps trying to steal a glance at the prize for the tournament tomorrow? A tournament? What tournament? The captain slapped me and said, "'Are you saying, so naive, boy, that you do not know about the king's plans?' Uh, "'I don't leave the farm much,' I managed to say. "'He smacked me again and said, "'It is the duty of the king's and all the king's subjects to know of the king's plans.' "'Enough, Grimwalt,' the princess said. "'My father will award a kiss from my lips to the bravest subject in the land. "'Do you plan to enter the tournament tomorrow?' Her guards roared with laughter, and the captain said, "'The whelp would kiss a headstone before he got close to your lips, my lady.' The princess chided him, "'Come now, Grimwalt. "'Isn't the founding principle of our king that all people are equal under God? "'So should this young man enter the tournament, "'so that we have an equal chance of winning my affection as any other?' (laughs) "'This boy has no better chance of winning than finding a dragon that shits golden eggs,' (laughs) "'Grimwalt said, determined to keep me in my place.' At the time, I was more than happy to oblige. I'm sorry, my lady. I didn't mean to disturb your journey. I held you up for far too long. Uh, afraid of looking her in the eye and the captain, who would like nothing more to the run-me-through, I backed up into another soldier. Nonsense, the princess said. You've added more interesting conversation in the last few minutes than Grimalk provide in a fortnight. I trust I'll see you at the tournament tomorrow. I stammered, unable to comprehend what was happening. Grimault smacked me and yelled, Answer her, boy! Uh, y- yes, ma'am. Good, the princess said. Let it be known that under the eyes of the king, everyone is equal, be them coated in the dust of a farm or slattered in riches, everyone is to be treated with the same dignity. Best you remember that, Grimault," for this boy may very well be your king one day. <laughs> yes, my lady, Grimwalt said, and gave me the stink eye. The princess ordered the entourage forward, and they marched on. A cloud of dust enveloped me. I choked. Grimaud mounted his horse and lingered until the caravan rounded the corner. I was about recovered from the assault of dust when Grimaud held his sword to my neck. You sullied the good princess's name, he spat. I will kill you before I let you sully the throne as well. But since the princess requests your presence tomorrow... I must let you live for now. The princess has taken a liking to you, though I can't imagine why. Which means you will attend tomorrow. You will fight, or I will burn your farm to the ground, murder your goats, and you'll die a coward. Grimald spurred his horse into a gallop and kicked up more dust. Between coughs, I managed to sputter. (coughs) The, The princess likes me? The next day... The rest of evening went better than it ever had in my life. That is to say, when my father found out that I'd been invited to a royal tournament, he had beaten me harder than ever before. He screamed at me to think about the farm and the situation I'd put him in. He yelled about the fact that he'd be missing a hand pulling weeds tomorrow. However, the thought of the princess made his screaming to be seem at a lower volume and his blows felt far away. I was to say to Bliss, thinking about the princess, while the grim reality of my life felt like a dream. Finally, when my dad went to sleep, which happened because he consumed too much beer for him to stand anymore, I was able to climb from the attic crawlspace and drift into the dreams of the princess. The next morning, I woke to my father's red fat face poking through the attic floor. He never climbed the ladder, which is partially why I decided to sleep up there. The fact that he was here now didn't bode well. I was hoping to get the morning chores done and then make my way to the capital. Instead, I noticed my wrists were tied to support beams. If you think you're going to embarrass this family in front of the whole kingdom, think again, boy. He said, but Dad, I said, the captain of the guard will burn down the farm if I don't show up. Then you best not be in it when it burns down, boy. He huffed as he scrambled down the ladder. I heard him kick a few objects and knock over the family cauldron before storming out of the house. I wish I could say that was the end of my second life. Trust me when I say being to life was better than what happened next however at the time i had the best motivator on the planet a gorgeous princess so instead of the morning chores i rubbed my skin struggling to break my bonds there was a particularly sharp edge on the beam where my right hand was bound i rubbed the rope back and forth fraying it until it eventually snapped Once my hand was free, I untied the other one, poked my head out from the attic and noticed that my father had smashed the ladder in his rage. It wasn't too far to jump. However, my dad had already returned for his mid-morning nap. That is to say, he drank too much at breakfast and passed out. He was snoring on the family bed in the corner of the room. I decided to test out his level of sleep by dropping a stone from the rock collection I kept in the attic. I would insert some snarky comment about rock collecting medieval living, but my tongue was not yet firmly placed in my cheek until later life. I dropped the stone, and the old man twitched his nose a little. He was fast asleep. I lowered myself down and jumped the rest of the way. I froze and stared at my dad. His nose twitched again. I turned toward the front door, only to soundly kick the cauldron that had been left to the middle of the floor. A loud gong reverberated through the room. I turned my head slowly and saw my father. He sat up, his face boiled. He forced himself from the bed, spouting obscenities. I stumbled backward and hit the cauldron again. An idea had crossed my mind. I pivoted around the cauldron and rolled it towards the door. I got up enough speed for the giant pot to go on its own. My father bound towards me. I sped past the pot out the front door, and the cauldron hit the threshold with a loud clang. It got wedged in the doorway. My father, who was never known for his wits was close enough behind me to run face first and think and knock himself out cold. I ran towards the forest and then towards the capital. The run through the woods was the most exhilarating moment of my second life. Visions of princesses danced in my head. If I was completely honest, she did more than dance. (laughs) Keep in mind, I was a teenage boy at the time. So I bounded through the woods and eventually made it to a clearing. Up ahead on high in a hill the biggest city I'd ever seen, uh, except for Rome. Compared to Rome, the city was a dinky little keep surrounded by a small town. Either way, I was awestruck by the adventure that awaited. I decided to cut towards the road so I could come in with the traffic entering the city. The thoroughfare was packed with merchants and wagons, families on pilgrimages and knights. There were lots and lots of knights. They had entourages of a squire and battle-hardened men, giving them swordplay advice. They had shiny armor and pointy swords. Some of them even had scars, and not the scars a person got from too much acne. They were the scars a person got from surviving battles. That's when I realized I was about to enter a tournament for the heart of a maiden that involved fighting a bunch of people who were experts at combat. And killing—if slaughtering chickens counted as killing people—I might be on their level. But across two lives, I'd lived in some of the most brutal times in human history, and I never killed anyone. I couldn't hold a sword in my last life, and in this one, I didn't even have one. I was about to turn back when one of the guards at the gate said, "Boy, you—we have a job for you." I pointed to what must have been a five-year-old riding a cart and said, "Are you talking to him?" Before the thinking, what a jerk. Keep in mind. Two points first it was medieval England five was working age at least in my family second in a later life when I learned about child labor laws my mind was blown though I had a suspicion that my father in this life wouldn't be persuaded by modern ethics boy you come here now the guard said before I could back away the guard grabbed me and pulled me over to the rest they inspected me and turned to another does this look like the whelp to you the first one asked. The second one shrugged and said, Oh, I don't know. He looked like every other street rat I've ever seen. I'm a farmer, I protested. Good enough for me, the first guard said and dragged me past the city walls. All right, we're going to go ahead and end it right there. Well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, I appreciate your support of this show. And, uh, yeah, if you want some more stuff to listen to, you got RPA on, uh, Mondays, me on Tuesdays, Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays, and then Mr. Patrick Sean Jones with the Sandman Lullaby on, uh, on Thursdays. And then don't forget the, the, uh, movies, the, the, the episodes of, of ghost hunting shows. Lots of plenty of stuff for you to listen to. All right. Thank you and have a good night.